Welcome in, everyone, to another episode of No Place Like Mahomes. I am Sean Deegan, and we have a lot of topics to get to, so let's get to them. He has gone ahead and offered up his son's college fund to acquire Julio Jones from the Atlanta Falcons. Jacob Allen is on the podcast. How are you, man? Sean, what is this, right? I mean, topics with topics. Are you Kid Rock? We are smoking funny things, and we are trying different things. He also offered up uh, Jacob's son's college fund, as well as Jacob's retirement fund. Sam Blecka is on the podcast. How are you, man? Yeah, I've heard the teacher retirement fund isn't great, but I know the bet one is pretty good, so I think he'll be all right. And I am Sean Deegan. I offered up my retirement fund and was promptly hung up on. Let's get to the topics, and it is no, no mere chance that we open up with Julio Jones as part of the introductions because... It was widely spec. It was widely known that, not speculated, but known that Atlanta had been potentially shopping Julio Jones as as a way to float out, see what might be available. Was what it was kind of perceived as amongst media. However, today, Julio Jones made the statement on uh, with to Shannon Sharp on Shannon Sharp and Skip Bayless's show, uh, undis- undisputed, that he is quote out of there when asked if he was going to be in Atlanta, which I think surprised everyone. There's a lot of people wondering if Julio knew he was live when he made that comment or if he just thought he was talking to Shannon, but he did say he's out of Atlanta. He will not be playing with them this coming year in 2021. We're going to get a heavy into this topic because there have been a few things floated around as it pertains to Chiefs chances at Julio Jones. But just before we do that, uh, Sam, I'll come to you first. What was your reaction when you heard live television Julio Jones say, I'm out of there? 100%. I don't think he realized that he was live. Like, that's kind of one of those conversations that I don't think you have. I don't think he would probably have said it the way he said it if he knew I'm on live television right now. And maybe, maybe he, he did. Maybe he knew and he's just that sick that he's like, you know what? I'm putting my foot down. But it didn't surprise me at all. I mean, I think everyone knows he's he's one of the greatest wide receivers of the generation he came in in, and he's never really had the opportunity outside that one Super Bowl run to have success with the Falcons. So he's kind of that player at the end of his career. No, it's hard to say end of a career, but at the later end of his career, that's just looking to win now. And so it doesn't surprise me at all that he was not positive of staying with the, with the Falcons. Jay, what about you? You hear the words, Oh, I'm out of there, man. And your reaction is. I hear it every year at school and those teachers still teach with me. <laughs> no, my, uh, my gut reaction. Thanks for the uh, muted laughs there. People. I, I promise listeners, these people muted were laughing, but I think actually Julio Jones listens to this podcast and he heard our circular discussion about Twitter and how athletes don't actually get what they want when they go on there and complain. So he said, you know what, what do I need to do? Just go complain directly on TV. Twitter's not going to get the job done. So thanks, Julio, for the listen. Um, We haven't officially come out on a position, but we are a pro Julio Jones podcast, not necessarily to the Chiefs. I know we'll get there eventually, but freaking wild. I I do think he was knew he was live. I think he is just that fed up. I think he's like, I want to go win. I already feel like I'm on the end of my career. Yeah, it it kind of blew me away to hear that on live television. I'm not sure he knew he was live. If he was power to him, because that's a a heck of a way to get your name out and say, Hey guys, come get me. I'm ready to go. And at this point, 
every team in the NFL seemingly is on the recruiting path. You know, DeAndre Hopkins in Arizona has been saying he's willing to restructure. Derrick Henry's posting workout videos with Julio saying they can do this all the time now. There's, there are so many teams and so many players that are given their pitch to Julio, and, which I think is always hilarious because Julio I, was not one of those players who has a no trade clause. So it's not really up to him where he goes. So let's just pump the brakes on that. I always find that funny. Now, one of the teams that has been brought up here recently as a potential landing spot for Julio Jones is Kansas City because literally everyone else has also been brought up as a potential landing spot for Julio Jones, at least any of the teams that have a chance to to make serious runs in the playoffs. And uh, Pro Football Focus threw out a potential trade scenario and, and posed the question to elicit conversation, I'm sure draw attention to their Twitter. Do you think this gets it done? And the offer that they proposed was Julio Jones in the sixth round pick would go to Kansas City. Kansas City would in turn send their 2021 second, third, and sixth round picks. So essentially giving up Julio for uh, getting Julio for a second and a third, and then swapping the sixth uh, to acquire Julio Jones. First of all, let's just go around the horn here and say, how do you feel about that kind of compensation to acquire Julio Jones? It came out that around draft time that Atlanta was asking for a first round pick. It seems like they've, there's no real word on whether or not they've walked that back at this point. So a second, a third, and swapping sixth round picks with Atlanta to get Julio Jones. How do you guys feel about it? Um, Jacob, since we went Sam last time, I'll, I'll come to you here first. How would you feel about a second, third, and swapping six for Julio? Let's start with, I, I think anybody would say, Julio, the player, take him in a heartbeat. I think he'd be foolish not to take one of the best receivers in the league. But again, you have to compare how much you have to give up for him and then what do you have to pay him. And I just don't see a scenario where it makes any sense. Even if you, even if he gets cut, which you can go look at the details, he will not be cut by the Falcons. Sean walked me through those details before the podcast, but again, I'll, I'll save you the time on here of me reading through those, but he will not get cut by the Falcons. So you're going to have to trade for that contract. And I just don't see how the chiefs fit that in their salary cap, but also lose those picks being that they've already traded picks for Orlando Brown. So it just feels like they'd be operating from even further behind for the future. You can't keep mortgaging your future for win now. If you think you've got enough to win now. And what about you? Second, a third in, in 2022, and swapping sixth-round picks. Uh, how would you feel about that compensation for Julio? It's quite a bit. If they were very serious about going after him, I'd almost rather pay the first-round price because we know we are very likely going to be within the bottom four draft picks of the first round and keep the other collateral because if we were to trade that proposed trade, I'll get a second, a third, and a sixth. So we'd have a first and two sixth-rounders next year. At this point, I, I, I didn't look exactly how many picks we had, but again, what we traded for Orlando Brown, which gave them a, a fifth for next year as well. So, yeah, I, I don't I Julio Jones, is, as I have well st- stated, is the exact kind of wide receiver I've always wanted the Chiefs to get a bigger bodied receiver, a guy that is an aerial threat that can really go and do the things that are different than a lot of the other wide receivers we have can. But, yeah, Jacob hit it 
pretty much perfectly saying, I mean, leveraging your future with the draft, which we, we have seen has worked very well. I mean, Brett Veach has done a very good job of drafting. So though I'd love a guy like that on the team, it's just, that's a, that's a pretty high asking price in my opinion. I am of the mindset that a second and a third is doable. Taking it again, taking the contract out of it for a moment. I think a second and a third are doable. If one of those picks is a 2023 pick. I think if it's 2022 on second and the third, I think that's a problem. Because uh, essentially you're talking two picks to get Julio Jones, which I'm on board with. I'm fine with that. I just, I do, like you said, Sam, I get concerned about your draft class for 2022 if you move your second and third round picks, basically leaving you the first round pick and then you know a couple of late round picks with a seventh round pick. Um, from Minnesota, and I think they've got one six still left at least. Yeah, because they got a six from their Orlando Brown trade. Yes. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. If they could swing it where you're getting one pick going this year and one pick going the next year in 2023, 100% on board with that. I'd be, I'd be totally fine with that. Again, taking the contract out of it because I think that's, that's where things get a little hairy even beyond just the compensation. For what it's worth, there have been a few reports from uh, Schefter, Rappaport, I forget who else threw it out there initially, is that Atlanta is not expected by many NFL execs to garner a first-round pick for Julio Jones. So it seems like you wouldn't necessarily have to do that. I want to pose this. I didn't put this on the rundown, but it just kind of popped into my head. Let's say instead of giving up two picks, a second and a third, swapping sixth, what if instead you gave up your first-round pick but you got either a second or a third back from Julio along with Julio and you swap sixth round picks, you know, similar to what they did with the Orlando Brown trade. Would that maybe swing you one way or the other? Again, taking the contract out of it for now, I get that that's, that's kind of the next thing we need to talk about is, is this even workable, but compensation wise, would that make you go, okay, is this more of a, more something I can work with? Yeah. As I said, I, I, based off the, that proposed trade deal, I would rather see us give up a first because, like I said, we're going to be in the bottom of the first round anyway, what we expect, obviously. Mm-hmm. And so it's, I think it's, uh, it would be a better deal to, to leverage that first round, especially spe- specifically, yes, if you can get more picks back in, in turn. But, yeah, I, I just don't – I mean, for a guy that if this was six years ago, Julio Jones, I'd be like, in a minute – let's go. But we are talking about a guy, like I said, it's hard to say how long he will end up playing, but he's at the back end of his career for sure. And obviously not slowing down outside of last year, having a few injuries, but still you're, you're leveraging a potential rookie for a guy that what five years, probably max you're looking at that you're going to get him get out of him. So yeah, it's even though I think I would prefer the first round for us, I don't think it's a feasible deal in, in any sense. That, and that's the last part of it is just the contract. And to your point, Jacob, which I think makes it a no-go um, for the Chiefs is uh, over the cap has the Chiefs, you know, including their uh, rookie class, has the Chiefs total cap space at about $7.8 million, just under seven point nine. which if you're looking at Spotrack, again, a different website, but they break down contract details a little more so. Julio Jones, you're going to be talking about more than $15 million that you need to 
free to have available in order to bring him onto your team, which means that one or two things are going to have to happen. You're going to either need to restructure his contract the minute he gets there, which means you're backloading his contract with a lot of guaranteed money, or you have to make sure that you get Tyron Matthews extension done at minimum, at the very minimum. That's you have to get that done before this trade comes through. Regardless of what happens, nothing's going to happen until June 1st, uh, just because, as Jacob said, the, the if you go to Spotrack and look at their contract breakdown, the only way that this becomes financially feasible for Atlanta is if they trade him after June 1. In every other scenario, they lose money. Again, we'll spare you the details of us talking through it, but essentially they can save $15 million if they wait to trade him until after June 1st. Before that, they're always losing money. There is, There are a couple of things that make me a little nervous as far as favorites seemingly to land Julio Jones. It seems like Vegas has a plus 500 uh, bet as the most like, uh, as your best bet or the most likely options for Julio to go as the Chargers and the Patriots. Those two are kind of the top of the list as potential landing spots for Julio Jones. Again, Atlanta probably going to try to avoid trading him to an NFC team at all costs. But as a Chiefs fan, either way, those do not make me real excited, especially the Chargers, knowing the kind of season that Herbert had last year. So I do just want to kind of get a quick feel of the room and engage what would a Julio trade to the, the Los Angeles Chargers, almost said San Diego again, the Los Angeles Chargers – do for you guys as far as push them to a via where where you would put them as far as a threat to the Chiefs in the AFC West um, and is there a different team that you would prefer to see him go to um, Sam I'll come back to you on this one if Julio goes to the Chargers where does that put your comfort level that's Chiefs still being able to handle business against Los Angeles I mean for sure it it, it makes the Chargers offense a bigger threat there's no doubt about that but the the question you have to ask with with any competition within the AFC West, I'll just stick with that. I won't, I'm not going to dive too deep into every single team that he could go to. Is Julio Jones going to allow them to keep up pace with Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs with a revamped offensive line so Patrick Mahomes can sit back there and do what he wants? I don't think so. I obviously it's worrisome. I'm not, you can't say that a one of the best high or one of the best wide receivers we've potentially ever seen goes to your a team that you're going to play twice a year, but that's something that you have to pay attention to, but they, they've always had pretty solid wide receivers and we've never had too much trouble with them. Obviously not something that they, they obviously impressed us last year with Justin Herbert's first year. So for, for the Los Angeles chargers, as far as I obviously would prefer him not go there. I don't think any chiefs fan would, would argue that with me at all, but it's not going to worry me as much as like if they got if they didn't have a quarterback and then got Tom Brady that would be a much bigger significant impact on their D, on their offense as far as going to another team i honestly if we're talking AFC i don't mind seeing them go to like Tennessee necessarily because their offense is so run oriented that i think his talents would be relatively wasted so even though obviously that makes their offense much more dynamic you still have Ryan Tannehill as your quarterback, who though is a competent and has filled in well with Tennessee, isn't Patrick Mahomes, isn't Justin Herbert even. So 
you're I think you're you're seeing some of his talent get a little bit wasted if he went to a team like Tennessee just because of what their offense actually does. Makes a lot of sense. Jacob, what about you? If if Julio Jones ends up a charger, where does that put your your worry level as far as them competing with the Chiefs for the AFC West? It makes me a little bit worried because I I don't know then if they've traded off for Julio Jones being the token hurt guy instead of Keenan Allen on their team. So I don't, it scares me to think that Keenan Allen might not get a full healthy year. So that's where my mind first goes on this, but I don't know. I think it kind of reveals how you feel about Julio Jones, even on a deeper level. Cause it doesn't scare me that much. Cause my fear is him getting hurt, which tells me what I think about if he came to the chiefs would be my same fear. And so I don't, have a strong preference on where he goes but the one that intrigued me the most was him to green bay i was like oh that makes a lot of sense i have no idea if they have a cap room for him i assume they don't because teams with quarterbacks that are paid typically don't have the cap room but it would make the most sense to me because like how do we get aaron Rodgers happy bring julio jones to town i am i think it would worry me a little more just from the perspective of typically in in sports in general if a player takes a big step forward or a team takes a big step forward kind of out of nowhere, then typically the next year is a regression year. And that's kind of what I'm expecting with Justin Herbert is a year to come back to the, the, the pack, come back to the mean rather than the, the extreme season that he had as a rookie for a rookie at, at quarterback. I think there's a, this is a moment where he would typically come back to the, the middle ground and I think bringing in an elite receiver like Julio Jones, especially now that they've shored up left tackle with Rashawn Slater, that would worry me a little bit. And it gives him this ultimate safety blanket that he could go to when things get tough and feel pretty good about, even if it's just a jump ball situation, throw it up, let your playmaker make a play. You feel pretty good with that as, as Julio Jones being that safety blanket. So that would be my one concern is – it lessens that step back for Justin Herbert. As far as other AFC teams, the the other one I would, or other teams in general, the one I kind of want is actually also in our division. I think if he went to the Raiders, it would also minimize his abilities just because I think Gruden would waste him, number one. Derek Carr, while I think he had a really solid year for Derek Carr, I don't expect to, to be anything more than what he was last year. And I think you could see, we were talking about Randy Moss before we started the podcast. I think you could see a Randy Moss kind of year, not to the level of like Randy Moss just deciding I'm not going to run this route because I don't want to get crushed over the middle. I think Julio's still going to play it out, but I don't think that the Raiders have the infrastructure, the coaching or the quarterback to be a real threat. And so I think any step forward that they would take with Julio still would be would not be enough to be a real threat to Kansas city. Also, let's all be honest. The real team we want him to go to in the AFC is Houston because that dumpster fire, he would just disappear and (laughs) no one would ever hear from him again. But can you imagine that it's David Mills and Julio shows up and it's just like, this is the guy that's going to throw me the football. Like this dude that you drafted in the second round when you had so many other needs. Come on, man. That would be hilarious. I thought, I thought he was a third rounder. I think he was yeah, projected he's third round. Right at the beginning of third. I, I thought he went right at the beginning of third. Oh, you might be right. He might have been an early third. You know what? We might be doing an apology video for this guy in the future, too. So we should probably get to know him a little better. Line him up. 
No, wherever Julio ends up, it's going to be an third round, sixty-seven pick. Dang it! Wow, so close. I was really close. Well, either way, it's not an ideal situation, and I think you're right, Sam. Groundbreaking podcast. Would this guy in the second or the third? <laughs> Let's take thirty seconds to find out because you, as listeners, want to know. <laughs> we only cover the important things, folks, and that's clearly not one of them. Real quick, before, and this is just something when we talk about the the trading and one thing that I've always found interesting is with a player like Julio Jones. And I think, I think this is probably a very Randy Moss esque conversation is do teams just try to trade him to the worst possible option for him when they start this kind of a crap storm, when they kind of blow up and they make it seem like, and just kind of throw these giant fits and don't have a no trade clause. They don't have the ability to control where they go. How much, effort are teams putting in to try to even make that player happy at all or are they just looking okay they're offering a first and a second Houston's offering a first and a third all right you'll go you'll go waste around in Houston for a while like that that's always seemed interesting to me because there have been times where it seems like it works out well for the player and obviously compensation plays a big role in that but as if I was a GM and I had a player that's just being that kind of individual like just causing those problems I'm not doing anything to help them. I'm not giving them anything they want, even if it doesn't mean that I'm getting the best compensation out of the situation. So it, it, it is a weird one. And I think that's why not, I don't want to dive back into the conversation we had last week, but with the convert with Julio Jones going out and making this public, I don't think that makes the Falcons want to do anything for him. That just is like, Hey, all right, I'll have fun sitting on the bench or going down to play in, Canadian football going up to play in the Canadian Football League it just seems thought, weird to me I thought you were about to say go down and play in the Canadian Football League in Houston because yeah. that's essentially what they're going to be and I was Pretty about much. to give you props for the biggest hammer down moment that would have been great I think it just depends on the relationship with that player because Orlando Brown I mean just look in our own backyard he made it very vocal like I'm not going to play if I don't play left tackle and they were like you know what that's totally fine we'll we'll move you and we will move you to our biggest obstacle to getting to either the AFC championship or the Super Bowl coming out of the AFC. And and, and a lot of the talk of why it happened is because they wanted to make sure that, you know, one, they get the best offer, which is still weird, but at the same time that, that the Chiefs were the ones that made that offer, but get him to a situation that works for him. So I do think a lot of it has to do with the relationship with that player as well as, like you said, the compensation. I think there's going to be a premium put on, with some teams put on moving a guy to a certain team. If Julio Jones ends up in the NFC, I, I will be surprised if it's not for a first-round pick. And we, and just for fun, I want to get you guys' take on this. Talking about these kind of deals that we see, how long before the NFL tries to move to adopt a system more like, I don't know if you guys follow, like Premier League soccer at all, but you can buy players out. Harry Kane is talking about who's a striker for Tottenham Hotspurs, one of the best strikers in England, was talking about being bought out for $200 million. That's the, cool. that's the price to buy his contract, not his wages. So how long before they move to be like, all right, you want to buy Patrick Mahomes? $200 million and you can have. <laughs> like how long before the NFL just gets to that point where there's like, all right, whatever, money, cool. <laughs> wow, that's crazy to think about. I don't know how that would work. Like, does that go to your cap number? That would be crazy if you could swing that. 
it's Dynasty League Fantasy Football. I had, a, I had a coworker this week say the exact same thing, Sam. So shout shout out Elvin. Yeah. He said the exact same things. Like, why can't we just buy Aaron Rodgers? That's yeah. who his discussion was about. I was like, because it's fun to watch you guys lose all the time to the Chiefs. That's why. That would make things a lot more interesting if there's a guy who's on the market and all of a sudden you can just say, I'm going to spend $100 million, $150 million, $200 million, and all of a sudden all your problems are fixed. It's not like these billionaires are hurting for money. Yeah, but that also puts, for NFL fans, that puts money in perspective. Go look at how much people pay to buy English Premier League soccer players because <laughs> it's astronomical compared to some of the contracts that football players or NFL football players get. You have homework. Yeah. No Mahomes fans, you go go look up the contracts and come hit us up on at No Mahomes or at our Facebook page and let us know what you find. Uh, the other homework, don't forget, is to go look up all third round drafted quarterbacks. <laughs> yes, because clearly we don't know who the hell they are. You don't know. <laughs> That's also true. Jacob and I knew. <laughs> you guys knew. The guy hosting the show doesn't have a clue. Well, let's go into other things that where we're going to just throw darts and not really know. And let's look at the Chiefs' <laughs> schedule. We gave you a, a way too early to look at, you know, predictions. A very, very quick overview of the schedule last week. We wanted to get into a deeper dive this week, do a, a game by game, you know, and I'm gonna I'm gonna keep track of these uh, as we go. So bear with me here, guys, as we go. But I'm gonna mark wins, loss for each one. We'll decide on these together. Um, won't spend a, an astronomical amount of time on each week, but we do want to go week by week and give our opinions on how did the Chiefs fare against this matchup, what are the problems, strengths, blah, 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 all that good stuff. Starting with week one, September 12th, against the Cleveland Browns. Cleveland's an interesting team to me. They've got, if this was a team that was, you know, five years ago with their wide receiver core, you'd say it was a great team. Uh, they are a bit of a throwback with their, their running game with Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt. They've got some explosive runners. Um, Jarvis Landry and Obel, Odell Beckham Jr. If Odell Beckham is healthy, that could be a lot of problems. Let's, let's go around the horn. Um, Jacob, I'll come to you here first. Um, how do you think Chiefs match up with the Cleveland Browns? I like that one. It was headed towards a blowout in the playoffs, and I think that home, home opener can be a lot like a playoff game. So I think they easily win that one. That's where I'm at on that one. Sam, are you in the same boat looking at that as a win? Or where do you think they lands with the Chiefs? Yeah, I think this is, again, with their running back tandem, that can be a, a threat. But I still don't trust Baker. And it wasn't three months ago we were talking about where is Odell Beckham Jr. going to be traded to. So will he even be with the Browns at that point? But, yeah, I think I think this is going to be a game where – Andy Reid comes out and shows off his shiny new toys in the offensive line and puts a hurt on the Browns. I agree. I, I think it's a win. Uh, the only thing I would be concerned about is if, you know, Miles Garrett and Jadavion, if Jadavion Clowney, like, learns how to sack somebody because he's an extreme athlete. He, he's got all the skill set and physical tools that you need to be great at sacking the quarterback. It's just can he, one, stay on the field, and, two, can he get home? Those are the two biggest questions still left about him. Because if he can do that and he creates more opportunities for Miles Garrett to get one-on-one, I think that could be some problems. But even with that, Mahomes, I think, is, is the X factor there, and it becomes a W. Next on the schedule, the Baltimore Ravens. And the Chiefs will be traveling to Baltimore for Sunday night football. Again, we, there have been some, we've talked about how the Baltimore Ravens have not been able to get past the Chiefs to get to the promised land of the Super Bowl 
But there have been some really close matchups between Kansas City and the Ravens. Chiefs, Sam, will come to you first on this one. Ravens, Chiefs, how do you see this one playing out? Uh, well, we do have to worry because this is within the first seven-game window of Sammy Watkins, so he's definitely going to have 150 yards and two touchdowns against us. But later in the season, we'll just disappear. But in reality, it, it all comes down to the, the thing I've talked about all last year, which was the, the Lamar Jackson-Patrick Mahomes effect, which I think every time he plays Patrick Mahomes, he's tried to be better than Patrick Mahomes and goes away from what he's good at. So if that continues, I do think it's a win. This is one, as I identified last week, I'm, I, I could see it being a slight trap game, uh, but I don't think their defense is powerful enough to, to contain the Chiefs' offense to keep it close. Jay, what about you? When you look at this Ravens squad, do you think this ends up being a W? Do you think this is a potential trip-up game for the Chiefs? Our own Sam Luck, I convinced me last year after playing the Ravens of that exact thing that he was saying about Lamar trying to be Patrick Mahomes, and he's just not. So I will continue to pick against the Ravens since we play them every year until they beat the Chiefs. Yeah, I think the big thing for me is that I, they're – Sammy Watkins, again, this is early enough that he could still be a problem. But again, the injuries have continued to mount up, and who knows, you know, at this point where he's at in his career. Um, Rashad Bateman does scare me as a potential prospect. So if he ends up being the stud that they hope he can be, I think that's that's when you start to worry as a Chiefs fan because otherwise their receivers are still not good enough. Their offensive line is not going to be as good uh, because Orlando Brown is not there. He's now in Kansas City. And Ronnie Staley coming off an injury at left tackle, you know, where, where's he going to be at physically this early in the season, still getting his sea legs under him. Uh, I, I think this is still a win for Kansas City because uh, I do think we have fewer questions in key places like in the trenches and on the line. Next up for Kansas City, and again, if Julio ends up here, this is a very different game for me, but week three ends is – the Los Angeles Chargers at home at Arrowhead. Again, Justin Herbert had a heck of a rookie year, set a lot of records for a rookie. How do we feel about this one? Jacob, I'll come to you first. It's another one that doesn't worry me that much. I like what you said earlier about the predicted regression of a player to come back down, and I, I do think that will happen for Herbert. I'm not, I know, I'm not saying you know he was a flash in the pan, but I, I'm not convinced of his ability to win games yet it almost feels as though he is the second coming of Phil Rivers, you know, puts up a lot of great stats, but then when push comes to shove, somehow at the end of the game, they haven't won, or maybe it's just a Chargers curse in general. Sam, do you feel similarly about the Chargers or do you have different feelings with Los Angeles? This is another one where I think they, I don't think their defense, even though they have, again, one of the best pass rushers in the game and Joey Bosa, I don't think their defense is, is stout enough to keep, Kansas City out of the end zone. And again, any scoring shootout, I will always edge to the Chiefs. And especially when it's at home. If this was an away game early on, I could be a, I would be swayed a little different, but because it's at Arrowhead, I'm I'm going to choose the Chiefs with the dev on this one. Yeah, I still will go Kansas City mainly because I do think that Herbert lost I like Jared Cook. I just don't think that he's Hunter Henry. And I think when you lose that safety blanket, there's going to be a, a again, coming back to the, the pack a little bit. I still think this early in, in the year, it's a W for Kansas City. I think, you know, maybe down the road, we'll see how we feel about 
when they face them again. But this point in the season, I still think this is a, a pretty solid win for Kansas City. This next game on paper looks like it should be an absolute blowout. The Chiefs will take on week four, the Philadelphia Eagles in Philadelphia. It's a noon game. On paper, Philadelphia is not very good. They have some nice, they have some really nice weapons. You know, Devontae Smith is an Eagle. Miles Sanders, when he's healthy, is a really is a really good running back. Jalen Hurts, we don't really know anything about him. And you know, Zach Ertz is no longer going to be there. He hasn't yet to report to OTAs or voluntary workouts or anything like that. Excuse me. How do we feel about Philadelphia at Philadelphia? I'll explain why I'm nervous here in a minute, but uh, Sam, I'll get your thoughts here first. Even though Jalen Hurts had some spurts last year, um, he came in and and I think he played well in parts. I just don't think he is developed enough to come in and, and rival an offense. Again, I'm going to be a broken record at this point, but anytime it's an offensive shootout, I will probably – until we get to the Green Bay game, I'm probably going to say Patrick Mahomes is outdueling most quarterbacks. <laughs> um, so I, I just can't. I mean, I don't trust Jalen Hurts without being able to see him more. So when we get to that game, after we've had several games to see how he's developed, I may change my mind. Obviously, quite a ways away from that, but I just can't. I don't think their their roster strong enough with Jalen Hurts to to compete with Kansas City's roster. Jacob, your thoughts about Philadelphia here? Sean, you've said some nice things about the Eagles, and I appreciate that. But this is the Jets game of this year. Chiefs will come out, get up early, and then it'll stay closer than it should, but only because the Chiefs know that they have the other team at arm's length. It's a win for me, but it is one that scares me just because this this is a pretty tough initial schedule for, for the Chiefs. With Cleveland, Baltimore, Chargers – then you get this break with Philadelphia at Philadelphia before you get Sunday night football at Buffalo with the Buffalo Bills and you're at Arrowhead. So Philadelphia at Philadelphia for an afternoon game against a team that is supposed to be bad scares me a little bit as a potential trap game where you let down Jalen Hurts comes out, makes a few dynamic plays. Even if he's not great, he makes them in key spots. And all of a sudden you're, you're looking at a 10 point deficit going, Whoa, 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 what happened? And you're all of a sudden you're in the fourth quarter. That's my only concern. I still think they're going to get it done, but that this does feel like a trap game for me. Now that leads us into a big night with another AFC contender in the Buffalo Bills Sunday night football at Arrowhead in week five. Uh, Jacob, we'll come to you first here. How do you think the chiefs fare against the bills? I do think the Chiefs are a bad matchup for the Bills. They've proven they could throw the ball against them in the AFC Championship game. They've proven they could run the ball against them in the regular season. But this is the one I'm going to predict a loss because I don't want to say – not be. and it is kind of because I don't want to say they're going to win every single game. But this is the Bills' Super Bowl. This could be like the Raiders game uh, of last year where we're like, how did that team beat them? I mean, I guess not in the same sense, but – I just feel like it's their Super Bowl. This is the game they really want bad. I mean, I guess the Ravens won it. And I think earlier in this season, I even said, oh, it's not about who wants it worse. It's about the quarterbacks. So what I'm trying to say is I'm going to say the Bills, even though it goes against everything I've ever said. So there you have it. What about you? How do you feel about Chiefs versus Buffalo? This one does worry me as well. It is. It's kind of their revenge game because we knocked them out last year. Um, They added Emmanuel Sanders, another receiver that I've always liked. Well, 
I liked him up until he chose Denver over us, and then, but he's always been a very good wide receiver. I'm just giving Josh Allen another option. I'm going to give us the win on this one, but I do think it's going to be a very close game. I think they're going to come out and and play as hard as they possibly can to keep up with the Chiefs, and I, but I do think we'll come out with a dub on this one. I I do have it as a W here only because it's at Arrowhead. I think if this is Sunday night at Buffalo, uh, I think that this might be very different. But I do think because it's at home, you're coming home from the road, so you're going to be hyped up for this game. I I think that this is this is still a win. After Buffalo, week six, they do have to travel to Washington to face the Washington football team. Again, if they had Alex Smith, I might feel different, but they don't. So I'm not terribly worried about this one. Sam, how do you feel about it? You literally stole, stole the words out of my mouth, Sean. I was actually about to say if Alex Smith was still there. Ryan, this magic is something, but uh, this team, I mean, like, like like I said last week, this is my Lucas Nan game where he's going to neutralize Chase Young. So, Jacob, what about you? How do you feel about this one here? Fitz magic. I feel like he's gifted us many a times, and I think it's another time he will give us a gift. Didn't he have six interceptions against the Chiefs with the Jets? Oh, Lord, I don't remember how many it was, but it sounds right. That sounds like his kind of a game. Uh, I also have this as a win. I'm not worried about this game in any sense. Uh, I think they go in and they blow out Washington. This next one, though, scares the hell out of me, and this is uh, – I'll give a preview. This is where I have my first loss for, for the Chiefs is at Tennessee in Week 7. Until Derrick Henry calls it, I, they still worry me. And I think Ryan Tannehill is a solid quarterback. And after coming off that murderer's row where you really only get one break, um, I, I think this is probably where they drop their first game is at Tennessee. Um, Sam, I'll come to you here. How do you feel about this one? Yeah, I'm actually – this was the first game I looked at and said – Again, this is a pro Derrick Henry podcast, so we will do nothing but hype him up even when he's playing the Chiefs. Um, But I do have this as a loss as well. I don't think it – I think it'll be close, um, but I don't think it's probably – this is probably the first game I don't think it's going to be super high scoring. I think the the Tennessee Titans are probably going to control the ball pretty well and do their best with Derrick Henry to to keep the ball out of Mahomes' hand. Jacob, what about you? How do you feel about Tennessee? Well, if I stuck with my, you know, old adage that I decided I'm not going with, which is who wants it worse, it would be another one where I'd say, well, Tennessee wants some revenge for numerous things. But because I already decided that the two games that probably scared me the most between this one and the Bills game, that the Bills was lost, this is where I'll give us the win. Because the last time they traveled to Tennessee in the 2019 season, everything had to go wrong for the Titans to win. After Tennessee, they do get to come home. They have a long week because they have Monday night football against the New York Giants at Arrowhead in week eight. Jacob, how do you feel about the uh, boys and well, they're not boys and blue. I almost said the boys in blue. I'm like, that only belongs to the Royals. The Giants coming to Arrowhead for Monday night football. <laughs> Sean, you just wanted to talk about boys. It's fine. But, but specifically in blue. <laughs> only in blue. Only they're in red. Get them, get them out of here. But um, how do I feel about this one? I don't understand why this is Monday night football. This sounds more like a Thursday night game that should have been forced upon us. Nothing about Daniel Jones scares me. Sorry, Danny Dimes. Sam, do you feel the same way? Because I definitely do. I'm 
taking a slightly different route. Now, I, I'm not saying they're going to lose, but I do think this is going to be one of those games that – Have some guts, Sam. No, well, I think they're going to jump out quick on us, and that's because you're coming off a couple very difficult games coming into a game that you look at and you're like, it's the Giants. They still have Saquon Barkley. We forget. He got injured last year. He's still an amazing running back. And their offense is, besides Daniel Jones, their offense is very decent. So I think they, this could be a game where we're playing a little bit of catch-up, but again, quarterback duels. I'm choosing Mahomes over Daniel Jones. Surprise, surprise. But I actually could see this being one of those like early what-is-happening games, and at the end it's like, all right, everything worked its way out. It's actually a really interesting take. I like that take. Next is – Again, short week, shortened week because of Monday night football will be Sunday afternoon game against the Green Bay Packers. This game, how I feel about this game is utterly dependent on who's that quarterback. We'll call it as of now, assuming Aaron Rodgers is under center. Because nothing has changed at this point as we record this uh, here on Monday night. So if Aaron Rodgers plays... I, I actually think this is another this could be the next loss for me um, against Green Bay just because you don't get much of a chance to see him Green Aaron Rodgers and Mahomes before Mahomes still one of the best and is coming off an MVP season we missed out on that matchup last year so he's going to be geared up for it I actually think this um, could end up being a loss for the uh, for the Chiefs here um, Sam what about you how do you feel about Chiefs versus Green Bay Regardless, I think it's actually, for me, it's a win because I don't love Green Bay's defense. And with our upgraded offensive line, I think it changes so much. So I'm actually going to say this is a win, regardless of if Aaron Rodgers is there or not. Jacob, how do you feel about Green Bay versus Kansas City? Is this a home or away game? Is that home? home? Is that Arrowhead? All right, that's my deciding factor. Not that it makes that much a difference, but we'll call it a win for all the reasons you guys said. All right. And then the Chiefs go on the road to Las Vegas to face the Raiders. I almost said Oak, almost said they went to Las Vegas to play the Oakland Raiders, and that just been really dumb. <laughs> Sean, <laughs> again, they will always be the Oakland Raiders. Even in Las Vegas. Uh, they, it's a Sunday night football game, which I uh, don't understand. But other than that, it's just Kansas City, and they want to get them on in prime time as much as possible. But – on the road at Oakland, Sunday night football, I think they blow out. Especially for me, I've picked them to lose against Green Bay. I think if that happens, they come out and absolutely obliterate the Raiders in this one. Um, Jacob, what about you? The Chiefs seem to be a team that learns their lessons from previous seasons and finds new mistakes to make. So this is one where I think this year they sweep the Raiders to reveal my hand in the later Raiders game matchup. Sam, do you feel the same, or do you have a different take on Vegas? I don't know which game it will be, but the Chiefs will lose to the Raiders in some stupid fashion, as we always do every single year. Was this one home or away? This is on the road. This is the road. Get, I'll give the I'll give the Raiders this one, just because again we are coming off a tough game with Green Bay and then mm-hmm. going to Las Vegas. But the Chiefs again, they just always seem to lose one stupid game against the Raiders and make the other one way harder than it should be. So I'll give them the one that's at home. Sam, will will the Raiders do a victory roller coaster ride at the New York, New York hotel? No, they'll be popping bottles in their new guest suites because they all have bottle service, apparently. Can you imagine (laughs) how much that's going to cost to get? Oh, my God. (laughs) 
you better come with like 300 a bottle for like something you get it for 20 bucks at any local liquor store <laughs> well you know what let's just quickly expand on bottle service didn't know what it was till i moved to denver and then someone started to explain it to me i was like this sounds like something i don't need to explain to me because it'll never be a part of my life <laughs> And if at the end of four quarters, if either of the games against the Raiders are a tie, should we just have a 40-yard dash against Henry Ruggs, Tyreek Hill, McCall Harbin, and just see who's the fastest? Yes. Because that was apparently a thing this week as well. Yes. I'm on board with that. I like that way of deciding. I think we, we also have John Brown. So it could be a 2v2 race and just, yeah. just who's fast. Who's Even the fastest? odds. Let's do it. I'm on board. After the Vegas Raiders, they do get to come home and have a fun matchup. Their first, uh, or not their first, but going back to the NFC and face the Dallas Cowboys at Arrowhead. Uh, Jacob, how do you feel about Dallas, a team that they're not typically used to seeing with Dak Prescott returning to the field? I'm glad I don't live in Kansas City because I'm already predicting tons of annoying Cowboys fans in and around Arrowhead. You know what? Maybe this is... I, I did the Chargers game as my trap game in our too early. This will be my trap game for this version. I like the Chiefs to win in this one. I, I think I get that it's week 11, but I could see Dak Prescott taking a full year before he really feels comfortable back on the field. Um, and I want to see what the Cowboys are going to do to actually protect him since they just decided they were going to take linebackers much the same way that the Raiders took safeties in their draft. Uh, I want to I want to see what they're going to do to make sure that Dak Prescott doesn't get hurt again. So I will say Chiefs win. For me, I think the this is a game that it will come down to if their gamble of just drafting the entire defense works, it will be a tough game. If not, the their offensive line is just getting old. And I think this is the kind of game where Chris Jones just reminds everyone that I am still the second best defensive tackle in the NFL. And there's a reason I'm paid as much as I am. After week 11 with Dallas, they do get a bye week. So finally some rest in the first year where there are 17 games. I actually like the bye week there. Give, gives the Chiefs majority of their schedule done and over with, and they get a break before going into the home stretch for the playoffs. After the bye week, they do get to – Wait, Sean, wait, wait, wait. Well, what's the date of the bye week? Week 12. Um, so October? that would be, that would be uh, the – It would be the week of the 29th. Of October. November. November. Ah. Uh, I'm calling that a win. <laughs> we'll have enough football on Thanksgiving that we'll feel okay that that's the week we feel deprived of football. So I'm calling that a win for a bye week. I will call that a win as well. That's good. <laughs> Sam. Sam, win or loss for that bye week? It'll be a close one, but I think it's a win. It's I a mean, win. Any week we don't get to watch Patrick Mahomes is – is a sad one, but after the bye week, and this is one that I, I love is just Andy Reid, his record coming off of bye weeks and getting to play an AFC West team in the Denver Broncos. Sign me up. That's a win for sure. That being said, we're probably going to lose it now that I've said it out loud, but that just, that lines up so beautifully for a win for Kansas city. Uh, Sam, how do you feel? As long as drew lock is their quarterback, I think he's going to spend a lot of time on the sideline rapping because Patrick Mahomes is not giving him a chance. So I think this is probably, like you said, just off a of bye week, this is a hard game for the Broncos to come into. So it's a win. You're as close to this situation as any of us. How do you feel about Denver versus Kansas City? Sean, was this a home or a road game? 
It's home. Sean, I'm just playing. It doesn't matter. Chiefs by 30. <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's a road game. <laughs> Messed up your delivery, Jacob. It could have been so what so good. Just could have been. We'll tag the rock and we'll get him uh, get his opinion on your delivery, Sam. I'm sure he'll love it. We have uh, the Vegas Raiders at Arrowhead this time, and especially for me, um, with this as a potential issue game, as a or excuse me for Sam as a potential issue game. If that happens, I definitely think it's a win. I already think it's a win. Chiefs blow out Vegas at home. Uh, Jacob, how do you feel? I already did my trap game, so I can't use it again. Again, this is where they've already learned from their mistakes against the Raiders. Their new mistake is the Cowboys. And Sam, do you feel the same way about uh, Raiders versus Chiefs at Arrowhead? Uh, because I gave because I gave the Raiders the win at home. Um, yeah, they're not taking this one. I don't care. It may be a close game, but that's one that Patrick Mahomes just gets it out and decides that, all right, you guys don't get two in a year. And then the Chiefs go on the road to Los Angeles for Thursday night football because everyone loves bad football. Jacob, I know you've posed some concerns about this game, so I'll come to you first. How do you feel about Chiefs and Chargers on Thursday night in Los Angeles? A 19-13 win for the Chiefs because that's what Thursday night football produces. And Sam, where do you see this one landing at? I think at this point in the season they're rolling, especially just after – by week and two or now the third divisional opponent. And I think that by this point they're rolling pretty, pretty well. And, and it's a win pretty easy. I will say a win, although Thursday night games make me nervous in general, especially with our, our luck with Patrick and all that good stuff. So it makes me nervous, but I, th- I think if all things are equal, it's a W. Then Pittsburgh comes down in week seven in week 16, almost said week 17 in week 16 for the prime afternoon game. At Arrowhead, the uh, ancient Ben Roethlisberger, still under center, we think, at this point, will face off against Patrick Mahomes. Uh, Sam, how do you feel about this one? I can't see – I don't know. I just can't see the Steelers putting up much of a fight at this point. Big Ben, always loved the guy, but he's up there in years, and he's uh, kind of declines like we saw last year at the end of the season. So I think it's a – Pretty easy game is probably the last real game the Chiefs play for the season, in my opinion, or for the regular season. Jay, do you feel the same way? Uh, I do not love Ben Roethlisberger like Sam does, if that's what we're asking about. But no, yeah, the Steelers are a wounded. I don't, you know, my prediction on this game is going to be it's not Ben Roethlisberger behind center. Mm, That's an interesting pick. I also think it's a win for Kansas City. Last two games of the season are both on the road. This first one is at Cincinnati in week 17 for a noon game. This one's interesting to me because if Joe Burrow is healthy and him and uh, Jamar Chase are picking up where they left off in school, that does intrigue me somewhat. But I just I don't think that they can protect him well enough. And especially with adding Jaron Reed and – you know, moving Chris Jones to the outside. I just, I think this is a bad matchup for Cincinnati uh, against against the Chiefs. So I think Chiefs win pretty handily here. Um, Sam, how do you feel about it? I think it's a win. I think it's probably closer because this is the point I think we'll start to see starters sitting a lot mm-hmm. more. So it might be one of those, it's kind of the end of the season where you might not see a lot of Travis Kelsey or Tyreek Hill or Patrick Mahomes. It might be Chad Henney at the end of the season again, but it's, I, I still don't 
love the Bengals roster for what they did. Um, not not improving that offensive line. Jacob, how, and do you feel the same way? Is this a win for Kansas City, or do you see them stumbling here? I think this is going to be a fun game, but yeah, I do think ultimately they do win by a score. All right, and then lastly, at the Denver Broncos to cap off the season, the first time they will play a 17th game in Week 18. I will say that this is a loss because I think everybody is sitting. And I think Denver will come out and still try to win and they will win some defensive battle where it's like 13 to six or 19 to 10 or something like that. So I think this one is, is a loss for the chiefs um, only because they are seating everybody in preparation for the playoffs. Um, Jacob, how do you feel about this one? Chad, Henney will get to start, not start. He will get to start in Denver. He's already got to play in Denver as a chief. So let's just keep that train rolling. Does he win? With a, with a Chad Henney win, of course. Oh, okay. Dang. This isn't Chase Daniel and the Chargers. He's not going to make it close to lose. Chad Henney only wins. Sorry about sorry about that. I thought it was implied that when Chad Henney went, is in, he wins. Got it. My, I apologize, Chad. Sam, same thing? Exact sent, sentiment, Sean. I was about to be all over you for saying, how dare you disrespect Chad Henney? Do you remember what he did for us last year? Do you remember that first down run? That fourth down or the or the run to almost get first down and then the ballsy move to throw it on fourth down. That that's oh. that's Chad Henney to a T. No, but they're gonna lose. That's not gonna be <laughs> Chad Henney's gonna ball out, but they're not gonna be playing anybody. So it's going, I think it's probably gonna be a loss. Okay, sorry, quick little sidebar on this one. Which thing excited you more? And it can be either the two Henny plays, the Henny run slash the fourth down throw or the Patrick Mahomes run against the Titans in the AFC championship game, which one got you more emotional? Probably the Henny game, because I think that that to me made me think like, Oh, the season's not over. I think for me, it's emotions in different ways. Like because there's such high stakes with the Patrick Mahomes run that obviously we're just come on. We've got to win the game with the Chad Henny. It's like, what is happening? this is the greatest thing we've ever seen because Chad Henney finally got to start and is balling out apparently. So I think it's completely different emotions, but I think the excitement of seeing Chad Henney make that run. And then everyone think Tony make everyone making Tony Romo wrong. That's probably the thing that made it the best is Tony Romo predicted, Oh, there's no way they're going to do anything. And then pass. And Tony Romo's like, Oh, Sorry. Well, well said, Sam, because both of them, well, especially the Chad Henney one, was like, it is so much fun to be a Chiefs fan. Now, what is going on? <laughs> Everything is going right for them. But to not discredit Mitch Holtis, because that Tony Romo call was great. Yeah, they're lined up. They're going to come up to the snap. They're going to see what's going on. Oh, there's a play. <laughs> the Mitch Holtis call on the, on the Mahomes runs pretty good, too. He's going, no, he's not out of bounds. He's still in bounds. All right, so just to tally things up here, Jacob, you have the Chiefs going 15 and 2. Sam, you and I both have them going 14 and 3 in this one and for this season. So great years all around. Jacob, you are definitely the most optimistic out of us by one win. We will see how it all plays out. Before we go, we do want to quickly touch on since there was a lot of wide receiver talk about Julio Jones. We wanted to backtrack and go to another debate that happened earlier this week and and give our 30 second responses 
to this because I think we've all kind of said it, given our opinions off the air to each other we haven't really talked about it here on the podcast at all since it kind of came out after we were off air last week Randy Moss versus Tyree Kill who's a better deep threat was the conversation and then that got blown up into who's a better wide receiver so let's give our 30 seconds answers on Randy Moss versus Tyree Kill I will give Jacob Allen the floor first Jacob Randy Moss versus Tyree Kill go I brought this up on our podcast discussion text chain and then I looked up Randy Moss's stats and realized that I shouldn't have didn't even need the 25 extra seconds he had allotted to him five seconds just trounces that argument Sam (laughs) how about you 30 seconds or less Tyreek Hill versus Randy Moss it's not a conversation Randy Moss played 14 years Tyreek has played five years to this point when we get to the end of Tyreek Hill's career we can then have the conversation Um, sorry one last thing I want to use my other 25 seconds I think when you're looking at wide receiver stats, there's kind of a benchmark of 1,400 receiving yards is about elite. Randy Moss seemed to do it like every year. I think once Tyreek Hill has a uh, phrase that describes how he destroyed you on the football field, then we will have this conversation again probably another 10 years from now when Tyreek Hill's, you know, a Hall of Fame candidate player. But until someone can say, give the equivalent of you got mossed when referencing a play by Tyreek Hill, I think this is a null and void discussion. I don't think it's worth having because Randy Moss is, like you said, 14 years in the league, was elite for pretty much all of it that he decided he wanted to play. Tyreek Hill has been elite for the last three years. Let's give him some time to actually garner a career before we make this comparison. And that'll wrap up our show, folks, of No Place Like Mahomes, where we prove just everything we can do in 30 seconds or less. <laughs> I do want Sean, I'm going to give Sean just 15 more seconds. As of right now, what would be Hilled? What, what, uh, what attributes being Hilled? Is it catching the ball three times and not knowing you caught the ball? Is it, what, what, what is that move? I, I has to, I don't even know. I don't even know what the equivalent would be. Like, that's the thing is like, it's so far fetched to have like something like that happen where the entire world knows what you got mossed means. And I just, I can't even fathom what that would be for Tyree Kill at this point. Sean, I've got your answer. It's being 20 yards wide open, even though the other team double teamed you. It's like, how is that guy have 15 yards of separation on the other team? Uh, and then you can say you got reeked or died on that hill or something like that. Like one of those two, something along those lines, make it fun. But yeah, it's give me something where it's like, it's so obvious that you have to make a saying out of it. That's going to do it for us, folks. We appreciate you hanging out with us here tonight. We'll be back as OTAs are about to get underway. And uh, we'll actually be able to see some real football as training camps are supposed to be open to, to people. So keep it right here. We'll talk to you next week.